Feel like i haven't hosted an episode in a while because haven't you done the last two i don't know why it's felt it feels longer than it's only been two two it's only been two maybe it's because we're recording this one at night and i'm so used to doing it earlier in the day so it feels later than it actually you're is, just exposing but, um, all our secrets to all of the people out there what do we what do we have if not secrets <laughs> yeah just in case you guys didn't know matt and i we record a podcast meaning we come together speak into microphones record the audio put it together put it up online sometimes that recording is in the afternoon sometimes it's at night this one's at night okay. just just Very tell good. them everything why don't you <laughs> also matt's social security number is ah! right now. um <laughs> What would you do if I just said your whole social security number out loud on this stream? First of all, how did you get it? That's and did Nicole Franz. I'll give it to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what a timely depending reference on, this is uh, going to be. In yeah, I was going to say, but depending on when this comes out, <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be uh, people going to catch that. Um, welcome back to the choir room, guys. We are here to talk about episode nineteen of season four, sweet dreams all about dreams all about aspirations this episode that's the theme of the week um and i know matt texted me uh while he was watching the episode i'm assuming you liked the episode i think that's what the crying emojis meant to you like you were getting emotional or something yeah i was getting emotional uh for reasons that um you know i think will become obvious as we go along here and i'm sure we'll also set up um as this is the last episode for a certain character, and that made me really emotional as I was watching every scene that character was in. Yeah, um, I didn't even think about that until you just said it. I, I, I think I've always known that somewhere deep in my brain, but just didn't register until you um, just made us aware of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, this is going to be Corey Monty's last episode of Glee. This is right before he decides to enter rehab, so he wasn't able to film the rest of season four but enough sad news for now um i i i like this episode it's a bit filler ish for me but there are some really cool moments um for some of these characters here that i'd forgotten about until the rewatch so i'm excited to to talk about that yeah it's just uh, as you know we don't have to spend all the time in this episode talking about finn or Corey. i mean we're going to talk about that a lot when we get to season five episode three i believe yes i believe it's episode three um so you know there will mm-hmm. be a lot more to talk about then but it is uh it, it was something that i was thinking about while watching this one obviously for or for obvious reasons because this is Corey's last episode of course, that means it's Finn's last episode. And also because like a lot of things that happened with Finn in this episode, since the story doesn't get to play out and we don't get to fully see where it's going, a lot of it feels 
it does start to feel like filler to me because I feel like the long-term arc, you know, they, they weren't able to ever put it all together. So otherwise it would feel like a step along the way to a, a proper journey. But otherwise, since that wasn't the case, we're getting some things that are just kind of randomly thrown in there. But there, I, I agree. I think there are, you know, still some good things in this episode. And uh, I mean, we got through that last one, so we can literally do anything now. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel too. <laughs> Um, so why don't we just hop right on into this? So the last time we saw Finn, he had made the decision to leave McKinley. He was tired of, uh, trying to win Mr. Shoeback. It just wasn't working out for him. And with a few parting words from Marley telling him to go get a teaching degree, it looks like that's what he's done. He's now at the University of Lima. The truth is I decided to go to the army after high school because I was kind of afraid of college. Smart people go to college, like doctors. The whole thing just seems scarier than getting shot. But now that I'm here at the University of Lima, I wish I would have come sooner. I'm studying to be a teacher, something that I love, and that makes the work feel not like no, work. No, the Harlem Shake. Uh, and everywhere you go, even inside classrooms and study halls, people find a way to have fun. Now do the Harlem shit. <laughs> College is like this perfect little bubble between being a kid and being an adult. Oh, did it happen again? I, I didn't write it down every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happened More Harlem times. Shake. <laughs> Got the rest of my life uh, to be a grown-up. And as for now, it's okay to be young. So, yeah. Um, as Matt so graciously <laughs> uh, illustrated for us, the Harlem Shake was a big-ass number back in 2012. Um, it was a bunch of viral videos were used or were made using that song. So clearly a timely reference there. But he's going to go back to his dorm room. A bunch of kids are in there partying because that's what everybody at the University of Lima seems to be doing. And there's a guy zipped up in a sleeping bag on the floor. Who should it be but... Noah Puckerman. Uh, Finn is shocked. He can't believe that his friend is there. He's like, what are you doing here? Um, like, what classes are you taking? Finn's like, or Puck's like, I'm not taking any classes. I'm just here for the brews, the bros, and the Bettys. Like, I'm just here to have fun. Finn's excited. Puck's excited. Yay, college. Yay, college. Here we go. <laughs> I I did not go to a uh, a what's it called when you go away to college? I did not go to one of those. Um, I stayed home for the little amount of college that I did. Um, and I always thought that it would be fun to go to have, you know, experiences similar to this, to have like a lot of friends around. I mean, I am not like a huge partier by any means. So like this part of college, like maybe once in a while I would have enjoyed it. Uh, but they make it look like so much fun. And as much as like, I know myself well enough to like, know that if I put myself into this exact scene, I would probably be miserable, but it looks mm -hmm. like so much fun. So I would probably want to go. Yeah. Uh, I did get the going away to college, uh, experience and the first year you definitely want to experience all the partying and, all that jazz is definitely, I'll tell you one thing, it kind of gets old really, really fast. I don't know if it's because I went to Drexel University, a college that's not necessarily known for having a good party scene, but 
after a while, like especially as a freshman and like you're not legally supposed to be drinking and you can't really get alcohol on your own unless you have a fake ID and I was too much of a goody two shoes to be doing that. So like going out and getting scammed by upperclassmen for drinks because they knew that we couldn't get them get them on our own was just like it got so old <laughs> so fast. But I totally um I, I I get like the initial excitement of like you know you're away from home for the first time yeah. like your parents aren't telling you what to do there's no there's no bedtime there's no there's no none of that shit you don't even have to fucking do your work although I don't know why you wouldn't because that'd be a waste of money a huge waste of money mm-hmm. uh, but yeah yay college go yeah. Finn and I guess go Puck. Yeah, they're, uh, look at them go. I mean, Finn, uh, that's, you know, where the story is going to start here with Finn. I mean, we can talk about Puck, too, but there's really not much to talk about. He kind of just pops up here and there all throughout season four in different places. So, uh, you know, Finn's going to go off to college and pursue this teaching dream of his that just kind of became a full-fledged dream once Marley kind of told him, oh, yeah, this is how you do it. You go get a degree, and then you can try teaching. And he's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So now Puck is really just kind of, you know, uh, just an additional piece in this puzzle you know not really uh this it really isn't about him uh so finn yeah i mean he's he's at school now he's you know working on this journey but also like what we're seeing is that he is jumping right into the partying doesn't seem too into the classes part of things i mean look college isn't for everybody but he also has this dream unfortunately that requires a teaching certificate which yeah uh get let alone this first week of college he's trying to get through like probably many many years that he would have to get through so not too sure how that all is going to play out for him but i mean him being there in the first place i guess is a good start especially since you know i mean rachel's off in new york uh he's you know arguing with will and fighting with will and the two of them aren't on good terms so he's trying just a new adventure and uh it's it's good to see him going for it i'm surprised that he's allowed even on campus or even got a dorm because it's one thing to be a transfer student but like he is late to the school year right because it's it's supposed to be like what spring like wouldn't the year sort of like be over at this point for college so it's kind of that was the one thing i didn't really get but whatever i'm just glad that he's um he finally has some sort of sense of direction so good for finn uh back over in new york rachel is putting her all into preparing for her funny girl edition Some dreams are bigger than others. Me being on Broadway, that's a big dream. Me being on Broadway in Funny Girl as Fanny Bryce, inheriting the mantle of my idol, Miss Barbara Streisand. That's the culmination of every dream I've ever had. Since its premiere in 1964, Funny Girl has never been revived on Broadway because producers have been able to find an actress capable of filling Barbara's formidable shoes. Luckily, I've been grooming myself for this audition since I was five which is when I first saw Funny Girl in all its Technicolor glory. I heard my dad's use the phrase star quality before, but I never truly understood it until that moment. I knew I needed to be her. From that point on, it's been all Barbara, all the time. Witness my collection, a feather from Hello Dolly, a yarmulke from Yentl, a boxing glove signed by Playbills, a picture of her first husband, Mr. Elliot Gold, her second husband, Mr. James Brolin, and her paramour of two years, Canadian Prime Minister uh, something Trudeau, I forget his first name. But I'm not approaching this as Barbara Streisand. I'm approaching this as a professional who has sworn off men and rededicated herself to the art of being Barbara. Yes, it's a long shot. Fanny Bryce is the King Lear of musical theater roles. 
and I'm just an unknown Jewish girl from Ohio who came of the age in a high school who came of age in a high school glee club. But then I reminded myself, Barbara too was once an unknown Jewish girl who sang into her high school choir, and Funny Girl made her a star. So why can't my dreams come true too? Why not? Why not? Rachel, we're, we're, I feel like we're back at the start here. This is like the Rachel monologue that we used to get in her bedroom. I mean, we are in her bedroom, but I mean her bedroom back home where, you know, just you got insight into the, or maybe this was like when she was walking down the hall and she just reminded us, you know, many times over the first three seasons of who she is, what her dreams are, who her idols are, things that, you know, drive her every day to wake up and be a better Rachel. And yeah, I mean, look, we've, we've seen this Barbara obsession since day one. It has uh, not gotten any bigger. It's not gotten any smaller. It's been just as big ha- since literally the day she was born. So yeah, she wants to be a uh, funny girl. She or she wants to be in funny girl. She wants to be everything that Barbara was because this is her idol. It's, it's literally the biggest part of her character. So this all makes sense. And we're now four seasons in, we gotta, you know, we gotta kind of move things in that direction. I get that she's a college freshman. Uh, and maybe this doesn't seem the most realistic, um, given like the path that she was currently on. I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. You tell me what you think, but uh, cause it does kind of come out of nowhere, but point being like, it does make sense that eventually we were going to get Rachel to this spot where she was auditioning for this exact show. So no surprises there. And, you know, she's she's going for it the uh, same way that Finn was with uh, with college. Yeah, it's happening so fast. Um, I, it, it, it makes complete sense, though, because I, I well, I actually I'm not really sure. I guess it really depends on the school, because I feel like I've and I've never been to a performing arts school in New York City, but I'm pretty sure that talks of auditions for Broadway shows, even off-Broadway shows, even off-off-Broadway shows, are always, you know, had amongst the students at these performing arts schools in New York City. But I have to imagine there has to be something that says, at least in some of their curriculum, that, like, you need to finish out, like, you're not allowed to take a leave of absence for, like, a Broadway show, like, and if you are, like, I don't know, maybe maybe Niata, like, lets you do that kind of thing, but it is something that I kind of thought about. Um, obviously, the fact that Funny Girl is holding auditions and it's never been revived and it's getting revived the one year that Rachel reaches NYC is just like, okay, whatever. But, um, I mean, she's the ripe age for it. She's 18, 19 years old. Like, she's been... This has been her dream for the longest time and then she's she's in the city to do it. And even if there, even if there was something in Niata... Uh, in the audit's like curriculum that said you're not allowed to do that. She would have just like taken a leave of absence and gone into the show. So like I think that this is something that's probably uh, it sits somewhere in truth for some students that go to school in New York City, but mm-hmm. um, it is a bit obviously too perfect to be true but sure yeah definitely too perfect to be true but look i mean they've been dropping hints since at least a couple episodes ago and they just keep trying to remind us that this is a thing so you know they allowed her some space to kind of uh like make it not seem so sudden i think uh, i don't know just because everything has been so busy with these past couple episodes with the brody stuff and with the uh everything back in mckinley you know things have been pretty hectic so it does seem like you know it's coming out of nowhere even though they have been trying to remind us but whatever uh happy i'm you know i'm happy for her as much as rachel can be a frustrating character at time at times this is you know her ultimate dream her ultimate goal who knows if it'll work out i mean it's her first time auditioning for such a big important role so you know you would expect that it's probably not going to go well but it's hard even as somebody like i think and uh, tell me again tell me how you feel about this but even as 
uh, uh, somebody who's watching this rewatch, like annoyed by Rachel in many different aspects, I'm still rooting for her to get this part. I'm still hoping to see her succeed because we know that she is capable of it. And we know that all of her friends and everybody that she's ever met knows that she's capable of it. So at this point, it feels like her not getting the part or not getting, you know, this not working out for her would feel like we all failed in, in one strange way. So like, I'm definitely rooting for her here. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's much easier to get behind Rachel when she's focused on this sort of thing. The romance of Rachel, I could kind of care less about. I've never really been a, a Finchel stan or a Frody or or not Frody, Ro, I don't, Rody? I don't know. <laughs> Bra- Bra- oh, I've never thought about it. Rachel? Rachel? There Rachel. we go. A Rachel stan. So, yeah, I whenever, I mean, how many times have I talked on this podcast about how I had such similar aspirations to Rachel Berry, which is probably why she was my favorite character because she was the only one that seemed to be driven and had like focus and focused drive. Like she knew exactly what she wanted. Um, whereas some of the other kids, yeah, they had dreams too, but none of them had the ambition and the focus that Rachel has. Like not like Santana. I mean, she talks about wanting to also be famous, but she's wayward. I mean, she starts off in Kentucky and then she, makes a decision to just move into the apartment in New York. And, like, what is she doing there since she moved there? You know? So, like, I've always admired mm-hmm. Rachel, like, just having everything in line. So, yeah, I totally was behind her on this. I wanted it to happen. I do kind of wish that there was a bit more buildup throughout the season. But, like, I, I almost wish that instead of going to Niada, I wish that Rachel had just moved to New York. And, you know... Got into an actor studio here and there. Obviously was, you know, keeping her instrument sharp or whatever. But I kind of wish that she was just a working actress. Kept going on auditions and stuff like that. I felt like that would have led to, like, such a more interesting story arc than, like, sort of, like, repeating the same high school tropes that she's going through while at Niata. And then the relationship with Cassie could be so much more scandalous because that you wouldn't, like, have Cassie being her teacher. You know what I mean? Like, someone that's supposed to be professional. Like, I feel like that would have been just a stronger choice, you know? Yeah, Mar- mark yeah. it up as one of our other ideas for our alternate uh, scripts for Glee. I know we're just gonna write new episodes. I think. Oh my god, how crazy would that be if we just wrote a whole new episode as season seven, episode one? You know, I think I'm really about to just take this weekend and choose like an era of Glee or an episode of Glee, and then just rewrite the whole thing, and then I'll give, I'll send it to you, and then we can cast it and record it and release it as <laughs> content. Okay, well, let's let's save it for, you know, when we're done with the episodes and we're like, oh, no, there's nothing left to talk about. It'll take more than a weekend. I'm being uh, braggadocious when I'm saying I can write a whole script in one weekend. Can't do that, but. I don't doubt you. Expect it. Expect it in the future, lads. Expect it. Back at McKinley, Sue Sylvester is out. Roz Washington is in. She has now taken over the uh, Cheerios um, and has even has uh, a documentary, like a, a, a Cheerios documentary special on the Oprah Winfrey Network in the works. Just like George Jefferson, she says, she is moving on up. She's checking in with, uh, with Coach Beast and Will and asks Will, are, how are his kids doing? Are they all uh, still shaken up from that fake school shooting? And Will's like, that was a terrifying experience for those kids. Uh, Roz is unfazed. She's like, child, I am a child of the ghetto. I cannot go to bed until at least I, I, I until I, I hear at least two gunshots. So <laughs> Black Sue is back with a vengeance, I guess. 
<laughs> and I am so excited. I uh, We love Roz. And like you said, we got left with such a, a cliffhanger last season when she came to uh, Sue and she was like, we have to do it. We have to overtake Figgins. And then she disappeared. I know. I know. And then we hardly... It's, it's strange. It's strange. Uh Beast is going to ask Will about Finn. Has he, uh, you know, made it up with him yet? And Will's like, nah, I just can't do it. Like, I'm just not ready for it. And Beast is like, come on, Will. Like, you really have to squash this. Like, it's kind of like what happened between me and my sister when I was getting abused by Cooter. Like, I, we used, we weren't the best of friends growing up. But when I needed her, I reached out to her. She really, really helped me. And it's just worth it. So you should make the effort for Finn here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she's not wrong. Will and Finn are have been, you know, one of the closest relationships that we've seen on the show over time. And the fact that it was seemingly like at its end because of what happened. And, you know, we talked about that a lot when they had when they got into that fight, like, you know, how things went down, who should have said this, said that, who should have acted this way, acted that way. Point is, it's over now. And Will, I mean, on one hand, Will, you are a grown man. And uh, you, I get, I I fully get everything that we were talking about last time about how hurt he must be uh, about this whole thing. But time has passed by. And I have to hope that given how much these two meant to each other, that they will find a way to, you know, get back together as friends and you know that'll play out in this episode whether uh it works or not but it just i feel like i'm I'm sad that it did take this much pushing from coach beast but you know what let's like this is the kind of thing where like if this was happening in real life uh you know to me or to somebody else i would be like you know what as long as it happens I- i'm fine with it so uh you know if it takes you a little while to get there everybody has their own ways of dealing with you know, uh, arguments and this and that, but uh, Coach Beast with some wise wise words here saying, you know, like, you just got to do it. It's, uh, there's no point waiting around. If you got something to get off your chest, go do it. You know, life, life is too short. And it's sad how that, you know, kind of bounces back into real life. Um, It's like, some of this feels like it's being written for, you know, the fact that Finn's not going to be here much longer, but obviously they couldn't have been writing for that. It's just, it's, it's strange how it all kind of pieces together. Yeah, um, it's it's to the point now where it's like, if y'all don't make up now, you're never going to, and then you're going to be looking back on this time, like, being like, that was so fucking stupid. Like, I can't tell you how many stupid arguments that I've gotten into with friends. Well, I really don't have a lot of them, but I've definitely had moments where I've been, like, stubborn and not wanting to just, like, make up with somebody, and then when you do, you're just like, why, the, why, why are we doing this? Like, why are we fighting? Like, it's it's so stupid, so clearly i mean what i'm like obviously what finn did was really really bad but at some point like how much time has gone by and if it's like if the venom isn't in your heart anymore then don't be stubborn you know what i mean like you just yeah get over it let it go move on start a new day you know this is the new year um i'm trying to think of like inspirational uh, yeah right i'm trying to think of other inspirational songs that they've done recently uh uh let it go no they haven't done that yet but they will (laughs) (laughs) All right, our third monologue in like the first five minutes of the episode. I, Marley Rose, have made a decision. I took that false bottom out of my desk drawer and I'm finally going to let my song see the light of day. I want to be like all those singer-songwriters I look up to, Joni Mitchell, Nora Jones, Chrissy Hind. I've been trying to bring it up with everyone, but ever since the school uh, the gun went off in school, everyone's been acting strange. It's like they've all got PTSD. So we're going to see a bunch of the Glee kids reacting differently to the uh, 
to the shooting, I guess Tina is coping by changing up her wardrobe like every other day. Right now she's on steampunk. Brittany can't stop talking about MIT and how they want her to study string theory, but all she wants to do is like draw and, you know, be with her crayons. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, who could blame her? Exactly. Sam is uh, convinced that he has uh, an evil twin named Evan, so he's been switching bodies back and forth. And Unique as just like she's just going full steam ahead with her breast enhancement, even going to the point of taking uh, birth control to you know help with the hormone retention. It's just everybody is just acting out of whack right now. Yeah, so let me call Glee out on this because we take a, a funny moment of, you know, let's have let's show all of these characters doing things that are so wacky out of, you know, out of out of the norm because of the situations that have, you know, because of what's been going on to them lately, especially with the last episode with the school shooting that, you know, wasn't a school shooting. Um but we have to incorporate the unique stuff here. Like this is real stuff for unique. Like this is a, a genuine focus on part of her experience, like her life experience that she's, you know, going through and, and working towards, you know, changing things about herself that, you know, make her feel more comfortable in her own body. And I hate the way that it like feels like it's such a like Marley counts that in with like everything else that is like all these kids are going crazy. Like on one hand, you have Sam who is switching back and forth between Evan and Sam, this Australian guy and uh, and Sam himself. And you have Tina who's trying out this random new look, which is no, nothing new for Tina. Um Brittany, the Brittany thing is also like kind of a real thing because she's like she got into a pretty good school uh, who wanted her to, you know, sign up and, and go early. So but I mean, the, the thing that really gets to me is, is the unique thing that's just kind of being brushed under the rug here. It's just another thing that's happening with the Glee kids right now. I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad that it's being talked about at all, because, again, this is part of Unique's experience, her journey, her uh, growth and, and everything. But um, I don't know, it just felt a little uh, a little weird in the structure of the delivery. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, I, I understood what they were trying to do by making it the only thing she she cared about. Like, she was really just overselling it throughout the episode. So I understood what they were trying to go for. But at the same time, maybe that is something that someone that's trans would be concerned about, you know? Like, so... And, and once again, just sort of undoing the work that they did w- with the episode um, last week you take this really traumatic experience and then you try to inject a bunch of comedy into it, which is fine, but the way that you're doing it is just, like, off-center. It's just like, this is, like, such a really weird era of season four. I forget yeah. which one of... I forget which one of you told us that the stretch of season... The episodes between, like, six, uh, 16 to 19 were actually really, really good and underrated. No, 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 no. That was uh, episodes 13 through 17, which oh, okay. we already finished, and those were good. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I rescind my comment. But, um... <laughs> yeah, no, these, these aren't the underrated episodes. These are the, whoa, where are we going? Uh, everybody buckle up. <laughs> we're going on a ride, and yeah, we'll it's... see if we can land in a good place at the end. <laughs> it's really crazy, because like, I remember thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Because I... They had done such a good job in season four of making me forget and not give a fuck about, like, the competitions that I wasn't even aware when they were talking about regionals. I didn't even it didn't even register to me at the time that regionals means that the school year isn't over yet. And this is episode 19. So I remember thinking, like, where it really just kind of feel like what you just described and that they just like, 
going to hell in a handbasket and just like, let's just see where this <laughs> shit lands. Like, Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of each season, you always have to – I'm sure it takes a lot more work than maybe we're giving credit for. Like, you have to wrap up storylines from one season, look ahead to the next, and start planning things towards that. It's the end of a season, so you not only need to wrap things up, but, like, on a show like this where you don't – you know, maybe they have other seasons booked. But, like, you have to, like – you have to have, like, big events happen. You have to have big things happen. Now you have a lot of characters introduced. So I get that maybe it was, like, a little tough to put all of it to together, but, like – uh, you you know I can't give you sympathy for it. Like you have the most creative writers, and you have like all of these people that are working on this very successful show. It shouldn't be an impossible task to put something together. And look, I'm not, I'm not you know completely shitting all over this episode. Um, this still I I do enjoy this episode, and again miles ahead of the other one. But there's still a couple things that you're like, hmm, what's going on here? Um, I I don't want to get too far away from the scene without uh, Tina's line here. She when they're talking about. Uh, the, the news about the Cheerios, uh, well, I think it's Sam that comes up and he says like, oh, have you guys heard about the Cheerios? Who's taking over that? Uh, and Tina's like, yeah, it's insane. I, I don't even realize, uh, like I, I just realized I have no idea whether I'm on the Cheerios or not. Like I literally can't remember. And I'm like, yes, neither can we because things are just <laughs> flying everywhere. It's, it's literally just throw something at, uh, the board and see what sticks with some of these characters right now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the, oh, wait, have you, have you seen Evan? I, I can't find him. Uh, he just was behind the door, I think. Oh, okay. I'll go, I'll go look up here back. Okay. I couldn't find him. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for that. I'll show you an accident to come out. <laughs> couldn't find him. No, it's terrible. I'm- <laughs> oh God. Oh wow. All right. You know, sometimes you just got to go for it. And if it comes out right, it does it. You know, whatever. You know um, what? Yeah. I, I applaud you. We're living. I applaud the, the that effort was as good of an effort as the writers put into the uh, end of season four. Honestly, honestly. Yeah. So they're all going to enter the choir room. Uh, Mr. Shu lays it on them with the theme for this year's regionals. He talks about how since most of the judges that are at regionals are usually crazy and or not sober, it's probably best if we just really hit it home on the theme this year and just make it as, you know, as clear as possible what we're going through. So he decided uh, that the three songs that they'd be performing will be uh, Dreamweaver, then they'll go into Sweet Dreams, and then bring it home with You Make My Dreams Come True. Um, he notices that Marley's not really down with this, and Marley's like, well, I just don't know any of those songs. Maybe we could try and do some original things like you guys did like two years ago. Evan said, oh yeah, Sam told me all about how you guys totally crushed regional two years ago with some uh, sweet original tunes. Um, but Mr. Shu kind of shuts it down. He's like, nah, that was a different time. And Marley's like, can we at least talk about it? Will says, look, do you guys remember that we are here on a technicality and that we would not have been here had the whole thing with the world has not gone down? Like, we cannot afford to make even the smallest of mistakes. Just trust me. So... Clearly, Mr. Shu has lost his touch because they're going to meet up later on, the Glee Club, um, privately and talk about how the songs are ass. They're all old as hell. And the very last song that he wants to close with, the Glee Club did last year. So what's going on with him? What is going on with him? I don't know. Um, he no, Well, I do know because it takes two seconds to put together the remembering, um, just remembering the fact that Will is somebody who always tends to revert back to his 
childhood days living in his own glee club and it's like we're getting a little tired of you know going back to the same story about how he just wants to fulfill the dreams that he had for himself i mean this time it seems like they presented in a little bit of a different way because like i think the flashback that we're going to see later on is him with the kids from last year at nationals which is a lot better than seeing like him raising the trophy back in his olden days um but yeah there he's trying again with songs that are from forever ago he thinks he has the perfect idea and he's refusing to take any other suggestion because he sucks will schuster sucks and uh, this is no surprise to anybody this is no news to anybody but for some reason in this episode especially when you add on the fact that you know he's fighting with finn i'm sure he has that on his mind he's being extra annoying extra terrible you would think that rachel is in the room with the way that he's talking to them like this is how he talked to rachel in season one episodes like one through ten and now we're back to like that same will that's like demanding that things are only going to go his way or the highway and uh yeah like blaine even calls out the fact that like he's like we did this song before you make my dreams come true we literally mashed that up recently or last year and he completely forgot about that. So something is going on with him and uh, we don't know what it is, but we got to do something else because this is not going to be uh, a winning performance. I mean, granted you make my dreams wasn't a competition number, but still they already did it. Like they, it's their senior year. Like they don't want to keep doing the same shit over and over again. Even if it's not, you know, even if it's something in the repertoire, like let them do something new. I don't know if original songs is the, is the idea, but um, because y'all know how I feel about these original songs, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? Like, just y- y- switch it up, bitch. Switch it up. We can just go yeah. ahead and skip to the next part of this because Blaine is going to tell Mr. Shu at the next rehearsal, like, look, we came together, um, we met privately without you, and we decided that we really wanted to talk about this set list and how like we might have a few alternatives. Mr. Shu is like, why would you guys do that? <laughs> Unique pulls out. A little uh, titty and says, you're going to need some woman parts to help you sell that. (laughs) Mr. Shu is over it because Sam is about to go get Evan. He tells Sam to sit down. He tells Unique to take a chill pill with all the the, the booby stuff. He tells uh, Blaine that he's disappointed that he allowed any of this to to go on. And he said that what's going to happen now is that he is going to go into the teacher's lounge to go get the coffee that he skipped to get here early and when he comes back they're going to be ready to rehearse his songs i wanted to punch him in the fucking face don't nobody give a fuck if you didn't go get your damn coffee it's like fucking three o'clock in the afternoon like who cares go get your fucking coffee like number one most punchable moment of glee so far and uh like Uh, Yeah, my note for this scene is in all caps, uh, F you will. So, yep, I I think we're all on the same page there. I think that's what we're supposed to feel. And uh, yeah, it's not going to be too hard to get me to be that annoyed at Will. Um, And then he goes into the hallway and he looks all stressed out. And I'm like, what, am I supposed to feel bad for him? Like, I don't care. How am I supposed to rehearse after that, too? Like, And by the way, we uh, I don't think we've mentioned, but Brad is back. So oh, yeah, Brad is if, back. Yes. If, if comforting, if 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 having Brad back in the room isn't enough to like, you know, bring you back to back down to earth, then I don't know what is. But maybe that's um, the only reason so, that but, Brad agreed to come back because Mr. Shu was like being a bitch to the kids that he hates. <laughs> so yeah, he's like, right. yeah, get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's uh, happy to see them all being uh, being unhappy. 
But yeah, so he calls out, the, you know, the, all the kids. He calls out Blaine for being, you know, the, the leader of all this and allowing it to go on. Whatever. I can ignore that. The Sam thing. Yeah, it's distracting. The fact that Sam's running around being like hella weird. Like, what are you doing? Um, I, I mean, they're just at this point turning Sam into Brittany because Brittany is not going to be on the show every single episode going forward. So they're really trying to transform all of Brittany, Brittany's energy into Sam. Um, and then unique again, we like that line unique. You need to tone it down with the whole boob thing. Who the fuck are you to tell? What are you saying? We, what, what, who wrote that? Who allowed him to say that? Why, why, why? Yeah, like she's allowed to she's allowed to be a woman. She's allowed to perform uh, whenever, you know, as a woman and she's allowed to be herself in the class. But when she's trying to, you know, to to look more like how she feels, that's a problem. Like, what are we why are we including this in with the rest of it? I think they were really trying to sell this image of her being extra with the boobs and like it's the only thing that she wants to talk about and i'm like she's not talking about it with you (laughs) like she's talking to marley you know what i mean imagine she came up to to will and was like oh mr shu what do you think like should i go like no like mind your business let her talk let her do her thing like why are you getting involved in her boob business like jesus christ like, it's not like she's coming up to you, like, every period asking for advice about body parts that you don't even have. Like, I, it's... Fucking, like, Brittany is out here distracting people with meteor comets that you know don't exist, and you're allowing it to turn into a whole damn lesson. But you're going to call out Unique because she's trying to turn a B into a D. Okay. <laughs> All right, Will. Although I do agree with Marley. She should not be taking birth control like that. <laughs> That's not a good idea. I'm not a medical professional, so I have no comment. Well, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> You're closer than I am. Back at the University of Lima, would that be the UL? U, 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 yeah, UL? U, UOL? U, Yo. Yo. U, Yo. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whoa, I really aged myself with that reference. All right. Um, they are throwing you can't parties. Age yourself. You're 25. <laughs> I know, but who the fuck is, like, <laughs> talking about Soulja Boy at this day and age? Um, woo! They are throwing a pool party in the middle of the hallway, and I just want to i just want to tell you, if this were my college experience, I would, uh, man, mm, I would not have finished college. But um, Finn is finessing two girls into taking off their top so that they can go and enjoy themselves on the slip and slide. He's making grilled cheese on an ironing board with an iron and like fake butter. And Puck is obviously over there having the time of his life as well. And it's just, yes, college, go college. Uh, go college. Who should show up but uh, Mr. Shu, uh, who is looking to make amends with Finn here. But Finn is actually like, you know what? Like, I don't need you to come into my life and, Tell me how to live my life. I don't need you coming over here judging me. Like, yeah, I'm having a good time right now. Um, and it's kind of no thanks to you. And Finch is not really acceptive of the uh, of the apology right now. He's he's having a good time. He wants, but Mister Shu wants him to come back. He knows that his ideas are stalling with the kids. He knows that he, you know, being in Washington, kind of like you know, he kind of like fell out of touch. But 
uh, once Puck comes over to them and tells Finn about this party that they had got invited to later that night, that's pretty much it here. The conversation ends. Yeah. Uh, Will, of course, is taking up Coach Beast on her advice to get him back. Um, what is What the hell is happening here at this college as Puck is running around the hallway in his underwear? Um, I mean, I get it. That's what apparently <laughs> happens at college, whatever. Um, but then it's like hysterical as he comes up to give Will a hug and he's like covered in whatever was on that slip and slide and literally still in his underwear. So, yeah, that is uh, that's that's what Will walked into. And somehow he didn't get off that elevator and turn right back around. Like there's no chance uh, that he should or no reason why he should have walked up to Finn. And like, like, how did you even know he was there? I'm so confused. Everything doesn't make sense. It's fine. It's fine. We can keep going. Um, but yeah, Finn is really not interested it's fun to see it's funny to see like the roles being reversed here where finn was like you know kind of begging will to talk about it and not be mad at him and now will's the one crawling back to finn to try to make amends being the bigger person being the adult for the first time in his life um and and you know finn's not really having it finn's like honestly like you know, like you pushed me away. You, you know, I like I, I think Finn understands what he did wrong, but he's at the point where, where he needs to be able to move on and do something else because he can't just sit around like he's already played that game with Rachel before. Like the, you know, should I hang back and wait for you or should I just go about my other dream? And he, he moved on with his life back then going to the army. And now he's about to do it now again because he he doesn't want to sit around forever and wait for Will to stop being mad at him so that he can come back and coach the glee club again. So, you know, he mm-hmm. made the decision to move on and, you know, until he, you know, ends up shooting himself in the leg for a second time on a hike or before a hike. I mean, it's, he has no reason to go back with him. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, like, I feel like this is the first time that Finn is truly like on his own doing something that he, really wants to do i mean i mean he did have like that whole thing with his dad and wanting to you know get his dishonorable discharge changed to an honorable one so there was a bit of motivation to him going into the army but his decision to go to school to become a teacher i think is a little bit more closer to what he truly wants and going back to glee club to help mr Shu, especially after that big ass fight like i wouldn't be attracted to that idea either like i'm finally out on my own i'm having a good time like i'm finding a bit of my a piece of myself that i didn't know that i i had like we haven't really seen like this part of your finn before like even as the popular kid the popular guy at mckinley he was always like a bit of a goody two-shoes you know what i mean like yeah and this is the time that we get to see a bit of his the side of his personality come out and yeah, like and he's always like, "Come on, guys, let's let's just pull together." And you know, he, that was his role as like the team captain, team leader, whatever it was. So he was always, you know, trying to make sure everybody was doing the right thing, always working for yeah. for Will in in a way. Even before and even when they were partying, he was the designated driver. Like he didn't drink. He like, was. Him, and, him and Kurt didn't even drink. So he's letting his hair down for the first time in his life, and now Will wants to come pick him back up and be like, "Oh, come back and." Let's be friends again. It's like, no, I mean, I, I still want them to be friends. I mean, that, the, the right idea is to have them be friends. But like Finn moved on. Finn made this decision. And obviously some time has passed. It, it's not like this is the very next day after Finn left the job uh, with Will. Like this, obviously some time has passed and he decided to let him go. And what was Finn supposed to just wait around forever? So, I, you know, he's like, I'm willing to work at this, Will says. But like. Finn is, you know, as as much of a joke as it seems where Finn says he's pretty busy with college and, you know, slides down the slip and slide on his own to uh, to take his turn. It's like, well, he he literally is like he's in classes. He's having fun right now. But like he is moving on. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Over in Niata, Rachel is still preparing for her Funny Girl edition is about to rehearse yet another Barbra Streisand ballad. Who should appear but Miss Shelby Corcoran, who makes note of always finding Rachel next to a piano. She knows about the audition. Rachel didn't want to tell her because she knows that she also has the same affection for the role. And she didn't want to remind her of her never getting the chance to be Fanny Bryce. But Shelby assures her that she is okay. She loves her life. She has uh, Beth. She apparently has this uh, Broadway daycare business as well. She's doing She's doing fine. She's now in the same city as Rachel, so they can see each other a lot more. And she just wants to help her land this role as Fanny Bryce on Broadway. But she's not going to be able to land that role if she decides to sing a Barbra Streisand song. Rachel, of course, is going to contest because she's been doing Barbra Streisand songs her entire life. But Shelby insists, look, they cast uh, Barbara as Fanny Bryce because Barbara was Barbara. You cannot get cast as Fanny Bryce trying to be Barbara. You need to find, show them that you can put your own interpretation on the role. And so she is going to suggest um, another song for her to sing. She knows that it's not necessarily right for the audition, but it at least get Rachel on a different path. And so they're going to sing next to me. I'm so excited to see see Shelby. Like the way that Rachel runs up to give Shelby a hug is like all of Glee fans. I feel like running up to give a hug, not not even necessarily just to Shelby, but like to seasons one, two, and three. Like it just feels like a piece of, and like that's gonna happen again in season five when we have a couple of guest stars return. It's like just a nice warm hug to like the past Glee, especially after this this whole season has been a whole new world. Uh, cue a whole new world. Uh, you know, as we've been entering a, a different journey with a lot of people and a lot of of things have changed so it's nice to see Shelby again we get the, the quick update from her it's it's sad to me that we never see another Quinn and Shelby scene this is going to be Shelby's last episode of Glee forever she's gone she's gone um, no. but you know she's Adina Menzel's a busy woman and uh, as long as we got this one final you know little thing to, to say goodbye they did leave the door open because we know that uh, Shelby says that she's now in New York so she can see Rachel more often. So the door was open for her to be back for season five or six, but obviously it just never ended up working out, whether it was because there was no room. I'm sure there would, would have been room if she was able to stop back by, but um, I guess it did not work out. Was that, like, well, yeah, no, Frozen was definitely around this time. I mean, it was coming up at least, or I it know. was what year was Frozen? Frozen came out December 2013. This was the beginning of go. 2013. So she was probably... So she was about to get super busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah. when watching this for the first time in season three, when she talks about going back to New York and then Rachel is, ends up in New York at the end of season three, I was like, oh my God, like, Adina Menzel is probably going to, you know, see her throughout the series. And then when they announced that, who the guest stars were for the season, obviously they hadn't filmed this back half for the season yet, so her name wasn't on the list. So I just got really sad. I was like, damn, like... We're missing out on like some prime time, you know, Adina Menzel here. And I thought, if anything, it would be easier to get her on the schedule because uh, she frequents NYC a lot of time. I think that's where Adina Menzel actually lives. And so, and we know that we know that pieces of Glee are shot in LA, but some of the stuff is shot on location here in NYC. So I was like, yes, we're gonna get some Adina, and then we didn't get anything. And then when they get, did give us this, I was happy to see it, but like. It was mostly just a song, and then that's it. That's the that's the end. And I'm like, fuck. Like, how does she spend so much time in New York City and we don't get any Shelby? Like, granted, they're not that close. But, like, this would have been the time that they alluded to in season one of becoming close on their own time and on their own terms. And I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity. Like, Glee, 
has a penchant for just dropping relationships when they build them up and it pisses me off. But this number is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're really not in, they're really not New York like at all for filming. I mean, it's probably like one scene out of the entire New York season. Uh, see, like, no, well, sometimes they have to be like, I know that, you know, they did go there for some stuff, but the majority of this New York stuff is not actually in New York. Um, yeah. The Neata scenes yeah. are in LA, but like some of the stuff that's like uh, all these, all, all the stuff outside is in New York, which we do get not, a few. Not sh- all of it. No. No, I mean, they they have a lot of, like, as far as I'm aware, they have a lot of uh, areas in L.A. and Hollywood that have, you know, sets that are built to look like New York. So even if it looks like they're on the New York streets, I, I believe most of the time they are not. It looks like in, like, the in Thanksgiving episode, they were actually in New York to me. Like, that didn't look like a set. You're, you're, I'm, sure you're, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure a lot of the scenes are... Like, we know that Niata, like, most of the New York scenes are in Niata, and Niata is not in New York, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to go there when they need to, like, obviously in season two when they went to New York for Nationals, and I'm sure they had some stuff. I mean, they have to film, you know, even if it's just, like, whatever the side footage is called, uh, B-roll? Is that is that a thing? I don't know. Footage in uh, New York, but whatever. Uh, this is a long tangent for no reason that I put us on. But uh, yeah, Rachel and Shelby sound really good on Next to Me. I really enjoy this cover. I really, really, really love both of their voices together. And we've, you know, I think there's been at least like two or three of their uh, duets that we've probably flagged up. It's our favorite songs of episodes. So, um, you know, we've given them a lot of love over the over the way. I don't know how it's going to go with this one, uh, but it's really good. And it's a pretty decent pick. I mean, I I was always thinking like, this is their final song. And next to me, I mean, they could have gone like big Broadway something, but I know it's simple and strange. It's the, it's the top 40 thing again. Right. Yeah. It's fine. It was okay. They sound, they sound too good to care about what song it actually is. Next to me. It sounds great. They're always going to sound good together. And you know, Having Adina Menzel is better than not having Adina Menzel. So I will take the scraps that I can get. Beggars cannot be choosers. So it is what it is. Back at Yule, uh, Finn and Puck are partying it up. They are rocking out at some frat house, uh, performing Fight for Your Right to Party. Everybody is losing their minds, taking all sorts of jello shots. I'm pretty sure I saw like allusions to drug use as well, but you know, who's surprised there? Someone's making out with a moose. Uh just lots of shit just going down. Finn and Puck are going to stumble out of the house, but they're going to be followed by uh the he calls himself the house captain of the frat, I guess, and he um they just like thank Finn and Puck so much for, you know, filling in for the music once the stereo got busted. And they were like, um, Finn and Puck were like, well, yeah, we do have a little bit of musical training. And the guy correctly guesses that they're in Glee Club. They're like, yeah. He's like, okay, so even though you guys are apparently gay, you guys were totally allowed to like pledge and we'll let you even skip all of the hazing and all that shit. You can just come and be a part of the house, like no problem. Um, And they are thrilled. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yay college yeah they don't uh really seem to fit in with the exact setting that's going on here puck maybe but like 
Honestly, not even Puck. I mean, Finn's the obvious one here that really doesn't like fit in with what's going on. Like, you know that he's not meant for this lifestyle of crazy partying. Like, he's he's like calmer, cooler, collected. Like, he's just he's not. This isn't him. Uh, I'm glad he's having a fun night, but this just doesn't feel like him. And even Puck, it doesn't feel like him. Like, he's too cool. Uh, like, he's too cool for school. He's cool too cool for all these guys. Like, he joined the Glee Club to get away from people like this, to get away from all the crazy partiers. Uh, that like the football team and all like the aggressive like attitudes of people like this, whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, let me just also comment on the number here. Fight for your right to party. Finn Hudson is last number on the show. Um, so I'll bring us down again. Um, because I mean, hard not to, it's, uh, it's worth talking about, especially, you know, just to, especially, you know, pay tribute to Corey. This is his last number and it's, you know what? Uh, he's he's he kills it he has a great time uh in this number he looks like he's having fun he's playing the drums which is where he's you know first started on this show and maybe that's not true i guess you could technically count another number in this episode as his last one um i don't know this this one has always felt like the final finn number but you know it's it's still a good number and it's still you know it's it's finn it's just finn finn so it's fine yeah um i wouldn't I don't know. I kind of like feel like this is like non-canon. That's how like I don't really like this for for Finn's character. But yeah, unfortunately, this is this is where he stops musically, um, and it's almost where he stops like in terms of like narrative as well. But we we do get to see him towards the end of the episode, and we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it it's a it's a strange environment for him to be in i love how like during the scene with mr shu we were like mr shu get the fuck out of here let finn live his best life and now that he's alone we're like oh finn this is just not the route for you (laughs) but it's just such a weird uh it's just a weird obviously it's a weird time in finn's life and while he is certainly taking a step in a new direction it has growing pains so all this reckless partying and shit, it's just like, it is It is very strange. But, I mean, live your life, live and let live, and let people learn on their own and make their own mistakes and learn their own lessons, and that's all you can really ask for, so. Yeah, and as much as, you know, maybe this wasn't the best, most ideal number um, for Finn, you know, to, to be, I guess, remembered as, as his last one, there's a lot in this episode that I didn't remember that happens, uh, specifically what's about to come up with Rachel, and then also everything with Will at the end of the episode that I was like, you know what, this is nice. Because we were talking about in I Do about how that was like the last Finn and Rachel scene, like, you know, face to face in person. But we still have this call here. And this one, like, really, like, sank deep into my heart. And I was just like, all right, this this like this feels really, really good. Later on, after Finn is done partying with Puck, he's going to get a phone call from Rachel. He immediately assumes that it's about Brody and that she's still pissed off. And just so that he knows or she knows his hand still hurts because Brody has a lot of sharp edges on his face. But um, Rachel's not pissed. She just actually wanted to say thank you and to tell him that she'd wish that he, you know, sort of stuck around longer. And Finn says, yeah, you know, next time I promise I will. Um, She asks him how college is. He tells her all about Puck and the partying and everything and meeting all these new people. But Rachel is kind of going to make this about herself, (laughs) as per usual. She's like, actually, no, that sounds great. But I actually am just calling for some advice. Finn already knows what's up. He says it's about the Funny Girl audition. And Rachel just needs to know what to do for her audition because it can't be Barbara, but she doesn't know what to do. 
Finn gives her the advice of just, you know, being herself, being Rachel Berry, making them fall in love with Rachel Berry. You have one of the, you're like one of the most unique and talented people out there. All you have to do is make them fall in love with you the same way that you love Fanny Bryce. I kind of feel like that's not really great advice in terms of like what song to pick, but <laughs> um, Rachel disagrees because she says that's perfect advice. Um, so fast forward over to the theater. It's the day of auditions. There is this woman singing an aria. I don't know why she decided to sing opera for a Fanny Bryce audition. I don't know how she got her foot in the door. Uh, needless to say, she was uh, shooed off stage. Rachel is up next. Um, hi, my name is Rachel Berry, and I'll be singing a classic. And what did she sing, Matt? That sounded like a different song. Wait, how do, what's the beat like? <laughs> Just a small town girl. But she sounds better. I'm just going to say it. While they are clearly trying to elicit emotions from fans of the show, and I'm not going to like lie, it did get me a bit. It didn't get me so much this time upon rewatch. I definitely remember it getting me a lot more the first time that I watched this. This is a fucking terrible song to sing for a Broadway audition. What the fuck is she doing? If you had started seeing Journey to, to, to get into Funny Girl, a musical written in the 70s, contemporary Broadway music, heavily based in classical music, you're singing freaking Don't Stop Believin'? They wouldn't have even let her get to the first chorus without being like, all right, thanks, we've seen enough. This is utter bullshit. I'm sorry. It is. Well, but it was thanks cute. for shitting all over that. It was like, <laughs> listen, it's so cute. The fact that Rachel goes for this because it's something that makes her feel her oats. And then Artie, or excuse me, Tina and Mercedes and Kurt uh, light up in the background. And then the drum solo comes in with uh, Finn on the drums. And then towards the end on the last chorus, already comes in with the guitar the, the 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 original new directions are there supporting her they're there with her in spirit it's so cute i love it although if i were amber Riley, i'd be kind of pissed off that i was called back just to film this one fucking scene but i anyway. had the same thought but it, 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 they, they must have been like amber i'm so sorry just please <laughs> please please just just one scene we just need you for this one scene. i promise you can go after it's just, it makes no fucking sense, guys. It doesn't make any sense. But, you know, it's Glee, and we're going to roll with it. Now that I have shit all over it, I need uh, Matt to come and save it. You represent the people that also love it just as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, well, let, me, let me go back a little bit, because I want to talk about that conversation as well with Rachel and Finn. Uh, as I was saying, I really enjoy that. It, it's really a nice... Uh, a nice a nice talk that the two of them have and just it's sad when you remember that it's you know that it is the last time the two characters are ever going to talk as far as we know as far as we see um, the two of them ever interacting it's just a very touching phone call uh, you know everybody in life always has that that thing where you want to you know leave everybody like you want to leave conversations on a good note because you never know you know when it could be your last and that's you know this conversation was left on a good note. So if we are to believe this is the last time that they spoke, 
don't know for sure, but that, you know, it, it was a good conversation with the two of them just back to their core of being Finn and Rachel of Rachel, you know, yeah, of course, Rachel always is going to end up bringing it back to kind of being about herself. But that was that was the relationship. That was what Finn signed up for. And that's what he loves about her. He loved that she was, you know, always, you know, she she knew what she wanted. She was so inspirational to him all the time. And that's what he loved about her. He loved her ambition, her drive and everything. So he's genuinely excited for her here that she has this audition. And when he says, like, you're going to be great. I can't wait to come to a show sometime. And then he also says that line at the end. Call me as soon as it's over. I'm like, oh, my heart. Like these two Um, for somebody who doesn't, you know, was not a Finchel fan for the first, you know, three seasons of the show. The season four really reinforces how much they care about each other, because even when Brody's involved, even when these two are not together, you know that Finn, when Finn says that about, you know, we're endgame, you know that you and I are, are, are made for the end. We're destined to be together. You believe it and you have every reason to believe it. So when we get these little check-ins with them, even over a quick phone call and he inspires this into her to go out there and do this amazing performance, like, I don't know, I just, my heart melts and I love it. And then the song, yes, I will come to the, the defense of the song because hell if I know anything about what songs are good to audition on Broadway for. Uh, Adina Menzel herself said to Rachel, do a song that feels true to you, that feels like something that they don't usually see every day, something that is going to show why you are unique and not unique, 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 why you are unique. Um, Don't Stop Believing is Rachel. Don't Stop Believing is what made her get her start into the Glee Club, into turning into everything she has accomplished and done to this point, who she is today. So if that's the song that's going to inspire her to give the most emotional performance, the most moving performance, like, of course, it's the song that you would never expect a Broadway audition to be. But the way that she performs it and the fact that she ends this number, like, it's so cute. Yes, everything with the Tina, Mercedes, Kurt, Artie, Finn, like, Ugh, it's just it it gets you in the glee fan feels like it just pulls it all out of you. Uh, but then at the end of this, when the guy says to her, uh, something happened to you when you were up on the stage, like in the middle of that number, like what was going on there? And she says she was thinking about her friends, like how she wouldn't be the person that she is today standing in front of them doing what she is right now if her friends hadn't shown her that she could, if they hadn't believed in her. So I will take everything, all the sappy stuff that they are giving me, and I will I will happily accept it all without any second guesses, second questions, because it made me feel really good to watch it. So um, I loved it. And I don't think you I don't think you were hating that you, you acknowledge that you liked the performance as well. It just didn't feel right as a Broadway thing. But it's just hard to not fall for this and just like fall for this in a good way. I just felt like it was like a cheap shot. Like I got shot, but it was cheap. You know exactly. what I mean? Like as long as we can admit that we got the shot. Uh fine. Like I kind of like I I can I kind of I would rather like consider this Finn's last number, you know what I mean, as opposed to fight for your rights of party, which yeah, I mean, technically it is. I, I don't know why like it's always been in my head that fight for your right is is like his last real number. Um like I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it probably a happier. Oh my god, world that to... means that this would be like because "Don't Stop Believing" is his first and his yeah. last. Holy shit! I never thought about that. It's that's something. Yeah. Wow. All right. Wow. Um. Okay. Yeah. So back in the same place he was with Rachel at the beginning, you know, just sitting in the drums, sitting on the uh, doing the drums right behind her as she, you know, does an amazing vocal performance. But this time, it's like. Oof, this is getting even worse. Like this time he's like there with her in spirit and 
that yeah um all of her all of her friends are but you know finn as well yeah that's insane okay well i won't shit on i won't shit on that number anymore i feel like it's perfect i feel like it works (laughs) um i wouldn't change a thing uh (laughs) back at yule finn is asleep he has missed a whole exam Puck is going to wake him up and show him this pink slip uh, from his sociology class saying that he's missing an exam. Puck is like, what the fuck? He's like, it's fine. The final is 60% of my grade. I would just go ahead and cram um, and then I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And Puck's like, this is like this sociology class is like that. You need that for your teaching degree. And are you like, are you, you want to be a bad student? Fine. But being a bad teacher is, is that's a whole different kind of story. Look, I'm having the time of my life here with you and doing it with my best bud is just a dream come true. But last night I was in bed with three chicks and I was thinking, what is this all about for you, Puckerman? And Finn asked him what he came up with. And he says, I want to show all of them, everyone who ever crossed the street when I came down the sidewalk or didn't call on me in class because they just assumed I'd fart my answer or told me I'd be pumping gas someday, that we are worth something, that we are more than, uh, than they say we are. I'm not saying we need to stop having fun, I'm just saying, skipping out on tests, and that's their vision of who we are. It doesn't have to be ours. So Finn asks him, also, what are you going to do? Are you going to enroll here now? Uh, and Puck's like, no, I mean, I'm still going to do my screenwriting. I can do that anywhere. But I'm definitely going to stick around to make sure that you are also doing your best to, to be the best teacher that you can be. Uh, so he's really encouraging Finn to, like, not throw his life away. Like, you, you came here with the plan, right? Like... Yeah, you you can be pissed off at Mr. Shu and like trying to drown your sorrows of like a past life or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you're still here to with a you you want to be a teacher, so put in the fucking work. Don't waste it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where it gets a little confusing because Finn, um, like we know we we again we know his motivations, we know his dreams, we know what he wants to do. But then you know he's he's missing classes and and not really caring, and uh, it feels like he has to get pulled back on his feet again. I don't know. I, I'm not you know I'm not questioning it too much because again I I feel like we're kind of all over the place here. We're kind of just mixing in and out of 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 whatever's happening. Like we're you know once we get to the landing point towards the end of the episode uh, with Finn, I feel like that is is a lot better. But yeah, for now. Seems like uh, seems like the college experiment that has lasted one episode is over. So uh, Finn is out, but Puck might be here to stay. Yeah. Yep. 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 It is kind of strange because he was like so resolved to to being in college, but I guess they were also trying to drive home the fact he's like, oh, freedom, freedom, parties, parties. Oh yeah, I'm so about so yeah. about it. Like, so he's having that struggle right now. Right. But uh, good for Puck for being there for him and setting his friend back on track so back at mckinley marley has assembled sam slash evan blaine and unique to uh help her with a little personal project of hers beforehand uh unique is going to tell blaine i'm also naturally enhancing my breasts every night i rub them with cocoa butter vitamin e and wild yams <laughs> i've definitely heard of cocoa butter and uh vitamin e never <laughs> wild yams that's funny to me uh but sam is not there evan is he asks where sam is blaine says he's behind the curtain evan goes to find sam sam comes the gang is all here uh they want to know what they're doing there molly lets them know like look i uh i saw how you guys got so upset with mr shu when he 
yelled at us. Like, you guys kind of got the brunt of it. And I wrote this song. I don't know if it's any good. I just want to hear it out loud. And I just want you guys to help me out with it. Um, it's not about my mom. It's not about, you know, Taylor Swift, bad boyfriend drama. It's just about how much friends like you mean to me. And I just want, I wrote it to make you guys feel better. Um, so will you guys help me sing it? Uh, Sam says no, but he's kidding, of course. And so they go into this performance of You Have More Friends Than You Know. And, drum roll please, I actually like this original song. Is it a song for regionals? Fuck no. Is it a good song? <laughs> Hell yes. You almost you almost had that as a full compliment <laughs> and then uh had to had to bring it back down. I but mean no, it doesn't I agree mean that you. it's it doesn't mean that it's a bad song, it's just not a good song for regionals. But it's a good song. It would have been a good regional song if regionals performances involved, you know, like the four of them sitting out there on a stool, you know, singing to the audience in the way that they tend to do, you know, when they're singing to Mr. Shoe or something like that. But that's that's you're right. That's not a regionals number. But this is a really good number. And this is obviously specifically written for these people as, you know, uh, the other original songs, you know, when they're specifically written for Leah Michelle, you know, then they are, are great sounding songs because that's how they work. Uh that's how songwriting works. Uh, let me just explain that to you. Um, sorry. Uh, Marley, Unique, Blaine, and Sam all just sound incredible on this. They do so. They do a really good job of, you know, getting those notes in there for Unique, for Blaine. Um, just having, like, the soft voices of Marley and Sam being in the mix and, you know, kind of carrying it along throughout. Um, it's just a really good number with uh, all four of them. They just all sound incredible. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I don't have uh, a whole lot else other than saying it was really good yeah it's it, they all sound really great um i love how this is the first time that they're singing it and they all sound amazing also all four of these people can read music i mean I, I, it kind of makes sense for somebody like unique who's clearly really really talented and marley who writes songs and even blaine didn't know well sam also plays guitar so i guess it makes sense doesn't it huh i was about to throw shade at one of them and then found out that they could all read music <laughs> <laughs> They told you. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, how did I just read myself? God damn. At the end, Blaine says, Molly, this is incredible. Like, we have to tell everybody about this. We've got to tell Mr. Shu. Mr. Shu actually had walked into the auditorium um, and overheard them. Uh, but Molly's like, no, he made it pretty clear that, like, he's not interested in original songs. Um, but they're proud of her nonetheless. And Mr. Shu's going to hear that conversation and. Obviously, it affects him because look, like these kids are trying to reach out to you and tell you, like, look, we don't want to sing those songs. We like we we've made it through sectionals. We've made like, like let's let's try something else. And they actually have something to back it up. It's different if they were like, oh, uh, they're not like you, Mister Shu, where you're like, let's write original songs. But you know what? Let's wait until the last possible minute to get them done. They actually have some shit like in like locked in the gun. You know what I mean? And you're over here shutting it down because you want to sing. You make my dreams come true for the fucking fourth time. Like whatever yeah i i can't deal with him in this episode uh, the fact that he has to sit here and watch these kids pour their heart into a song just for him to acknowledge that maybe it was a good idea like you've taken so many ideas from so many of these kids in the past how often do they like work out terribly like if they have inspiration like these kids are supposed to be the ones that lead the way the, that lead the lessons like this isn't a club where it's supposed to be the teacher just beating into you lessons of the week like you give them an idea and they work with it they take the assignment and find songs and find music 
music that inspires them and that makes them like, you know, feel passionate about it and want to do it. Like in the same way that Rachel found this song that, you know, made her feel something that was strong enough to get such a good performance out of her for such an important audition. These kids have a competition coming up and if they can give you a performance like this where just it came from the heart and they all had a great time doing it rather than these numbers that they are just not excited to do. Like if they, if you like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like besides the fact that I'm annoyed at will, like if you gave this assignment to the kids and they are all sitting there, like we really don't want to do this. You have, you want them to go up there and fake enthusiasm rather than working with them to find a better song. I just will never understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, hopefully Mr. Shoe starts to get it because it's girl. Like, your songs are old, they're dusty, they're tired. Like, come on, let's move on. So, Coach Roz Washington is going to call uh, both Becky and Blaine into her office. Uh, it used to be Sue's office. And she lets them know, like, I understand that I've inherited you as co-captains of the Cheerios. And by looking at the two of you right now, that makes me extremely suspicious. But Blaine asks why. She says, oh, I understand why Coach Sylvester's daughter Robin is here. Sue Sylvester is as old as the hills. So when she gave birth to her fully grown 16-year-old baby with Down syndrome, it was a miracle. And she wanted to bring her to school every day and show her off. You're the one that makes me suspicious, Fruity Fonzie. You ain't never done a cheerleading routine in your life, but somehow you get Sue Sylvester to make you co-captain of the Cheerios, and then three weeks later, out of nowhere, Sue Sylvester gets fired. That makes me real suspicious. That makes me think that you use your handsome, fruity voodoo powers and put a hex on her that caused her to bring a gun to school for no reason and get real clumsy, and she drops it twice, and it goes off both times. That sounds like some dark-sided, fruity voodoo stuff to me. But uh, <laughs> Becky is going to come to Blaine's defense. There are so many good monologues in this episode. Becky's going to come to Blaine's defense and be like, look, that didn't happen. Blaine had nothing to do with it. Uh, but Roz is going to be like, so how would you know? Were you there? And of course, uh, Becky has to say no. But not without catching uh, the attention of Blaine, who's also wondering the same thing. But here's the deal with Coach Raj with with Coach Roz Washington. She says, if you guys want to be the co-captain of the Cheerios, you're gonna have to take a blood oath and loyalty pledge. And uh, Blaine's gonna ask, is that, is that even safe? Uh, so she's like, probably not. But anyway, we're gonna do this. Repeat after me. Repeat after me, Matt. I, Fruity Fonzie, an adult baby Robin. I. Fruity Fonzie and adult baby Robin. <laughs> Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. To never put a hex on Coach Roz Washington. To never put a hex on Coach Roz Washington. Causing her to bring a gun to school so she gets real clumsy and drops it and it goes off twice in a row. Causing her to bring a gun to school so she gets real clumsy and drops it and it goes off twice twice in a row. So help me God. So, so help me God. All right, you're free to go. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of The Choir Room. We'll see you guys next week. Um, so yeah. That joke lands every time. <laughs> 
Yes, that's the, the oath has been taken. And uh, look, uh, these two, quite the team. Uh, we've seen Becky with a lot of different duos, uh, you know, involved in a lot of different duos. She was co-captain with Santana, uh, co-captain with Blaine. Now, every time it works for me, I'm not going to sit here and rank them because all of it is, is so much fun. Of course, I'll sit here and rank them. Santana and Becky, uh, the duo of the century. But uh, these two are pretty good, too, especially just having Becky and Gay Blaine right by her side. Like, Becky is like in love with him. Becky was just, you know, coming down so hard on Tina for being in love with Gay Blaine. And now Becky's sitting here like, you know, pinching his cheeks and pinching his uh, other cheeks every time, every chance she gets. So uh, she loves him, too. He's got he's got that mist. Yeah, he's got that mist. And she, he's going to try to use it again uh, in the hallway later on and asking her, like, well, you were acting in there, you know, particularly strange just now. Do you know something about what happened with Coach Sue? But Becky says, mind your own gay business, gay Blaine. I don't know anything. She walks off, knocks <gasps> this girl's paper out of her hands and knocks over a xylophone because we know how Becky feels about them damn xylophones. She's like, Blaine, gay Blaine, I don't know anything. He's <laughs> like, but he looks at her at the end like he knows something's going on here. Uh, something is obviously fishy with everything that just happened. So, Becky, you're uh, you're not the greatest uh, secret keeper. Yeah, her uh, Sue's secret is not going to last, it seems. No, but that's probably a good thing. We should probably get the truth out there sooner or later. Especially, yeah. you know, like, Sue deserves to lose her job, but not for this reason. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I'm assuming that Sue just took the gun, right? Uh, yeah. And where did Becky get it? I mean, what's the legal... Do you have to be that old in Ohio to buy a gun? I feel like you don't. No, I think she said she got it from her dad. Okay, so is her dad, like, not wondering where the fuck his gun went? Um, maybe Sue returned it. She's probably close with the family. Hmm, that would make sense. If she's not even, like, you know, her mom. Over in the auditorium, uh, Will is on stage reminiscing about how they won Nationals last year. And Finn is going to interrupt him. I'm like, hey, Mr. Shu. I think Mr. Shu is kind of surprised to see him there. But Finn says that he talked to his uh, student advisor, and she says she's willing to give me college credit for all the time that I spend here helping out. Uh, Mr. Shu asks if that's his way of accepting his apology. Um, but Mr. F- or Mr. Finn, <laughs> Finn says, no, that's just my way of saying that I um, I'm willing to come back. But I don't want to like do any of your dry cleaning or do all, run any of your, your run any of your errands. I don't want to be your gopher. I want to be, this to be a partnership. I want to be treated like an equal, like a teacher. And uh, he says that th- then you bring your best and I bring my best. We can get another trophy. And Mr. Shu says that seems fair, but he says he has one condition. Let's just move past this. And he holds out his hand. They shake hands. They hug. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like, uh, it wasn't like forever to get them back together, but you still were like, all right, let's, 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 let's kind of get a move on this. Uh, you guys are obviously, you know, best friends and, uh, you know, I'm glad that they were able to make up as well, just in the same way that I'm, I was happy with the Rachel and Finn scene, considering it was their last. I'm glad that this is also going to be, uh, the last, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that Will and Finn are, are kind of, you know, at least ending here on a good note. Like, I've, I I feel weird saying that I'm glad anything was the last because, of course, of course, I'm not happy that there was a last. Um, but just, you know, the, the, there were some good scenes here uh, with Finn involved. So that's that's a good thing, I think. 
just just happy to see result happy happy to see things get resolved here it's a little strange to me that you know finn is like coming back in you know like demanding not demanding but like requesting like full partnership considering like another reminder you're not a teacher uh you don't work here um but it's okay it's fine it's it's okay um i get what he's trying to say that like if you want me to come back and work with you guys yeah like if you want me to come back and work with you guys like i'm not going to be a coffee boy like i I have to be involved with everything and like let's work together rather than the way that it's been for the past couple weeks so i get the point yeah so uh, mr shu is going to try and make amends with the glee kids um at the next rehearsal he tells unique that she's looking good and he tells uh, Tina that he loves her outfit and everything, and he says hi to Sam, but Sam moved to Alaska. That's Evan, but Sam is, of course, welcome back anytime. He says hi to Blaine. Um, they all are icy, of course, because he shit all over their dreams. Um, but he says, look, about 20 years ago, I was sitting right where you are now. I was co-captain of the soccer team i had a forehead full of acne and a dream of being the next vanilla ice and standing right here was mrs adler she constantly mumbled to herself um she stuffed used kleenex up her sleeves and we were all convinced that she was crazy but you know what that's why we loved her because we were crazy too because we're all minorities we're in the glee club. <laughs> I felt that one coming. <laughs> this is the room that's always felt like home. Maybe because we knew Lillian Adler loved music almost as much as she loved us. And that's how I feel about you. Every one of you. And I'm sorry if I made any of you feel like you don't have a voice in this room. You do. Um, and I know someone else who does too. And Finn comes back in the room, officially back on board with the new directions. Um, It was kind of heartwarming to see all the kids get so excited to see him back, considering when they first, uh, when he first was on board, they were like, what the fuck? Like, he he doesn't know anything about running a Glee Club. And now they're like, 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 thank God Finn's back. I just, I sort of love that personal progression. It's the substitute teacher, student teacher thing of it. Like, this is how it worked every time. Whenever you had, whether it was a student teacher or a sub or something, you would always like, you know, you gave them such a cold reception to start off with. But then Mm -hmm. once they were gone and it was back to normal business, you wanted them back so bad. Like the last day of a student teacher being there, if it was a student teacher that everybody liked, which most of them were, you like to have like a college kid come in and, you know, be your teacher. Um, So that was always fun. But yeah, so they definitely have changed their uh, reception towards them. Mm-hmm. They are pumped and ready to get back to work. Marley, you're up, but Marley's gonna say like, "Oh, I don't, I don't have the songs memorized yet, but I could give it a shot." But uh, Mr. Shoes like, "Oh, those are out. We're gonna go ahead with one of your songs." Um, and they're all like, "Yay, Marley!" So Marley's gonna get her shot at a uh, songwriting for the New Directions. So, uh, yep, I think that that's the wrong decision to make, but fine. <laughs> I can't believe like final like comment on this and no uh, we are not about to go into another Amon rant about this I'm just making a comment about it very quickly and then we will move on still no Joe and Sugar even though they are going to be at regionals yeah they have been absent for the past four episodes and will be absent for the next two until regionals it's until insane. regionals yeah and I think that that's I think after regionals that's it with them until the finale yeah. i feel like they make some kind of comment when regionals comes around as to why they were gone but i don't remember what it is so no they excited don't to find out what that was again no I they do think, they did they don't i don't think they do i feel like no. they make some kind of quick line about like oh and joe and sugar are here 
I don't know. They definitely get reintroduced again, but like, there's that's it's kind of like unceremonious. It's yeah, we'll see. Uh, back in NYC, Rachel is waiting anxiously by the phone while Kurt is trying to bake some cookies and make her feel a little bit better. But Rachel's sort of like defeatist right now. She's like, "Ugh, it's just not gonna happen." I know. That I heard about some other like local production. I might uh give that a shot because Fanny might not be for me at the end of the day. Uh, Kurt asks her if he if she regrets, you know, not doing Barbara for the audition. But Rachel's like. No, no way. I uh, I went with that song. I went with my gut, and it felt so good up on that stage. And if they can't see that, if they are so determined and going with like a traditional route of casting, then maybe they're just not. Ring, 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 ring. Oh my god! Oh my god! She answers the phone. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Mhm. That was the casting director. I got a fucking call back for Fanny, bitch. Yes. <laughs> yay, Rachel. Yay. 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 Uh, yay. Yay. No, I'm happy. I'm happy for her. Um, and of course she was going to get it. The vibe in the room after that audition was like, holy shit. Like we have not seen anything like that. Like you were literally out of like having an out of body experience up on that stage. And my, like while you were in some strange world that we could not figure out what was happening, you were killing this performance of don't stop believing that like nobody would ever sing on a Broadway stage for an audition as I'm on mentioned. So that was obviously a fantastic performance. And you know, she only has a callback. That's how they, things usually work. You usually don't just get the part right away. So she's got a callback well, for Fanny. So They're excited. Kurt's eating some cookies and uh, time to celebrate. It's like when I got callbacks for some roles in like college or whatever, like parts that I really wanted. You want it's like such a, oh, I love that feeling. I miss that feeling. Or like two summers ago when I got that callback for BB Twenty. Oh my God, man! That was, like the, that was the first callback I'd ever gotten for BB, and it was like, oh, like so, like I totally was like, oh yeah, I'm feeling it, Rachel. I feel you, sis. Good for you. I mean, I feel like she shouldn't have sung that song, but fine, whatever, it's clear. Um, <laughs> back at the school, we're getting another New Directions uh, closeout here, but it's an original song by Marley. It's called Outcast. And I hate this we song. We are, we are, we are. What'd you say? I hate this song. Why? <laughs> because it's just too Disney Channel. It's like a, a, a high school musical song, and I just... <sighs> yeah, exactly. No. No. <laughs> um, it's not my favorite original song by far. There are a lot of other good original songs that I really enjoy, but we haven't had any yet for the kids in season four, and uh, I'm fine with this one. I think this might be, you know, it's not my favorite season four, you know, end of number, end of episode songs, as we've had many and we keep pointing them out. Uh, there's not, you know, there's not really a theme to this one. Like, there's no color pattern or anything like that, that like they've been having lately. It's just all the kids being themselves and having a good time, uh, which I think is the point. They're just like, this is us. We're the outcasts, you know, uh, but whatever. It's fine. Um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's good, but I can agree with you. It's not the best. But you didn't think it was good anyway, so forget it. I mean, forget I didn't I think said. it was. I, I'm being dramatic when I say I hate it. I don't hate it, but like I'm just like this. These types of songs are just aren't my cup of tea. Like I'm just like, especially when I don't think that it really follows the narrative of these kids anymore. Like they're not outcasts. Like the the Glee Club is not the same Glee Club that it was 
back in season one or even in season two when they were singing songs like Loser Like Me. You know what I mean? I just feel like this is just not, it's just a bit too contrived. It makes my teeth hurt. I'm just like, you guys aren't outcasts anymore. Half of you are popular kids. Like, I, okay. Like, I'm just like, all right, good for you guys, but fine. Well, if I'm it, sorry uh, for your teeth. If they like it, I love it, which means they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, everybody's favorite part of the episode, favorite songs. What do we got here? We got next to me, Shelby and Rachel. You got to fight for your right to party. Puck and Finn. You have more friends than you know. Sam, Marley, Unique, and Blaine. Don't stop believing. Rachel and the original New Directions, Outcast, Marley and the New Directions. I'll go first. I know what it's not going to be. You have more friends than you know. I'm giving it to an original song. Go figure. Funny thing about that original song is that it's not an original song. <laughs> it's not? It is by two people named Mervyn Warren and Jeff Marks. Oh. It was, I'm looking at it up. I'm looking it up now. Um, it was written by Jeff Marks and Mervyn Warren. So it sounds like this was, yeah, it wasn't an original song from Glee. It was told as it was supposed to be an original song. But uh, even the Wikipedia article for the song says the television show Glee featured a cover of the song uh, in its episodes sung by Darren Chris, Melissa Benoist, Alex Newell, Cordover Street. So not original. Oh, well, I guess that explains why I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, it does. It does. Um, My favorite song from this episode is not going to be an original song. It is going to be Don't Stop Believing. Um, I got it. I got to do it. I got to do it. Next to me would have been my next pick, I think, because I I love the Rachel and Shelby numbers. But Don't Stop Believing. Having that original New Directions up on the stage, knowing that it's, uh, you know, Corey, it's Finn's last number um, all together. It just gave me the feels. It had Rachel up there singing her heart out in a performance that, you know, gave her that callback. I love it. So it's my favorite song. Mm. I I accept it. (laughs) Thank you. Slushy ratings. This episode, like I said at the top, it's a bit fillerish for me, at least on the McKinley side of things. Um, not so much in the Rachel side. I will go ahead and give this 1.5 slushies. It's fairly enjoyable. There were a few things that were confusing with Finn that we talked about. I still think the whole, the, the funny girl auditioned whole thing is sort of like kind of strange to me, like the timing that we talked about. And like I said, like the McKinley part was just, uh... Yeah, I know how I feel about original songs. So this episode was fine for me. It was just it was just fine. So one point five, not particularly memorable. Yep, and as usual, um, I tend to be the tougher grader, and I will up that by half a slushy and drop it down or drop it at uh, two slushies. I think this episode is pretty average for me, and uh, that usually winds up being a two. So. Yeah, I, I you know there's stuff to like, there's stuff to not like. Um, there's some good songs. It's got some sentimental value to it uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, it doesn't you know, and it advances a lot of different story in some ways, but it doesn't have you know a whole lot that brings it down to that you know really good section of the slushy ratings for me. So I'm gonna leave it at a two. Okay, 
All right. Gold star. I'm going to go ahead and give this to... I'll give it to Rachel. I haven't given... I have not given Rachel as many gold stars for this season as I thought that I was going to. Um, But like I said at the top of the episode, this is the Rachel Bear that I do like. Driven, impassioned, focused, ready for anything, and just in her element on that stage. I love that. And her, you know, working to make her dream come true and getting that call back. I think it was just a really solid episode for her. I think this was in, you know, getting her to see to get, getting to see her reconnect with Shelby a bit and just, you know, talk with Finn and everything. I just feel like everything was just going for for Rachel in this episode. So I'll give it to Rachel. All right. I will bounce mine right across the board there and uh, give Finn a gold star in uh, in his last episode. It's, you know, really sad to me that this is going to be the last opportunity to ever give Finn a gold star. So it's, uh, you see, I have thought about that, but I'm already just going to go ahead and spoil it here and let you guys know that I'm going to be giving Finn the star in episode three of season five, because how can you not, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I haven't rewatched the episode uh, to to put my plant my flag there, um. So you know we'll uh we'll get to that there. I uh, there's a there's a lot of good numbers in that episode, a lot of good performances by a lot of the actors. So I'm not ready to lock that in either way. But this does feel like it it could be the last uh, Finn Gold Star as this is the last episode that you know he does appear in. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna give it to him. Um, and I think the Rachel Finn du- uh, duo is here. Uh, duo here is perfect. So um I I'm. Glad you picked her because I think that uh, that's literally any you know it's literally what the character of Finn would have wanted uh, Rachel to get mm-hmm. her shine for uh, everything that you know she did and him supporting her along the way so he deserves a gold star as well for the conversation that the two of them had um, just you know him supporting her to the end him being uh, you know a big man in his own right and coming back to Will and saying you know that's fine I'm I'm happy to go back with our friendship as long as, you know, we can be back on the same page, uh, equal partners and all that kind of stuff. Everybody was happy to see him. Um, it's a Finn gold star for me. Uh, Rachel and Finn seem like a good team to go with here for some sweet dreams. All right. I think I like that too. I think that's a good, a good little duo there. It's cute. (laughs) Well, looks like that's going to wrap up this episode of the choir room thank you guys so much for listening follow us at choir room pod on twitter you can follow us individually i'm adamon adwin matt is at matt Lagori. make sure that you're leaving us any star readings and reviews we'll read them aloud on the podcast you can do so anywhere you get your podcasts and anything else that's it thank you for listening everybody and uh yeah reviews those are great so uh, what are you doing while you're listening along to these episodes? Uh, I mean, maybe you're working. Maybe you're outside in this really like hot summer weather. I don't know why you would be, but maybe you're watching Big Brother live feeds. Oh, my God. Maybe they're watching Big Brother live feeds and there's not much happening right now. And they're listening to us as well. That's so crazy to think about because right now the season hasn't started. But whatever you are doing, I hope that you are enjoying. And thanks for listening. All right. Well, until next time, guys, we will see you at